So again, tonight we continue on with our, our series, God at Work, and just really excited uh, for this series. Uh, last week, from what I've uh, heard, God really did some neat things through that, and so got a lot of great feedback in terms of how you are applying that uh, in the workplace. So praise God uh, for that. Uh, we're, we're really looking at how God and vocation intersect, and so we'll continue on with that uh, tonight. Uh, we, we, we looked uh, last week at a, at a verse that is just freeing, and it's really kind of our theme verse here, and it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, a verse that just has uh, stirred my heart time and time and time and time again, and it's a freeing verse because it's a verse that tells us that everything counts, and, and listen to what Colossians three seventeen says as a way of refreshing um, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you have not memorized that, write that somewhere and make it a point to memorize that. Uh, Isn't that just a freeing verse? Because it tells you that whatever you do, it counts. Whatever you do, it counts. doesn't matter how much you hate what you're going through right now. It counts, and it can be done in a a way that that glorifies uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jesus, uh, as long as it's not something that is in direct disobedience to, to God's word, uh, no matter how uh, mundane it might seem, it's, it's the place God has you for this time, and he wants to use you to glorify him and to, to really pursue his, his mission. And, and so you do whatever you do in a way that, that glorifies the Lord Jesus. You do it as a representation of of Jesus. You do it as a way to gain esteem for the message of Jesus, as a way to um, be the hands of Jesus, and as a way to uh, just direct your worship to Jesus. And so it's cool. It, it really lets us know that whether you're a pastor or a plumber or a missionary or a mother, whatever you do, it, it, it counts. And so last week we looked at that word vocation, kind of a common word that has uh, over the years lost its me- meaning. We saw that the root of the word vocation is that Latin word uh, voca, which means to call, right? And so linguistic evidence would then tell us that at some point when this word was first introduced into our vocabulary, this word meant whatever you're doing, whatever you consider to be your work, that is a call of, of God. And you can do that in a way that, that honors God. And so wherever you're at right now is by God on purpose and so let's be careful not to only look at tomorrow's next step when we 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 do that we oftentimes will fail to stand for jesus today because we're just so focused on on tomorrow and so last week we saw uh, three workplace mistakes and so if you weren't here go back online and listen to that but i'll give those to you uh, again first we saw the mistake of of secularization uh, and that is really looking at our work as secular work because it's not uh, missionary work or it's not pastoral work or vocational ministry work and we we make the mistake of seeing it as as secular and kind of seeing it as as unspiritual and and acting as if god's not involved when no that falls under whatever and so whatever you do can be done for the lord and can be seen as 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 uh, a way to to worship the lord the second thing that we saw was that we make this mistake of compartmentalization. In other words, uh, what we often do is we kind of compartmentalize work and, and ministry. And so we say, I go to work, and then this 
maybe it's involved with the church, is my ministry. And we talked about how we really need to blur the lines. If we want to be effective and really engage our culture, we need to blur the lines and say, no, where I am at work is a huge part of my ministry. And so work is, is ministry as well, and we need to take those opportunities that God's put right in front of us. And then the third mistake that we saw is this mistake of idolization. And, and, and that is we can oftentimes take our work and put it up on a pedestal and idolize our work, whether it be our vocation of some kind of job, the vocation of school and studying, or the vocation of uh, working homeward, and your family can even become an idol, right? And and things that were were meant to be an instrument of worship to the Lord become uh, an idol, and it's a huge mistake, but it's a very common mistake, and especially here in Boston. People come to Boston for big things with education, and so they just go full on with work and totally um, just neglect the things of the Lord. Uh, they come here for, for big things with career, and they go full on with that and totally neglect the Lord. And so it's very dangerous, and so be very, very careful. Those are some common mistakes. And what I want to do this week is I want to move past just looking at the mistakes, and I want to begin to move into how can we be proactive? How can we really um, uh, stop focusing on just what aren't we doing, but what are we to do, okay? So that's where we're going to go tonight, and I'll start by doing this. I'll start by giving you a case study, if I can do that. be a little more teachy tonight, but let me give you a case study. I have this friend uh, named Andy. Some of you guys actually know him. Um, Andy and I are united uh, as brothers in Christ and that we both love Jesus deeply, and so we're um, united in that, uh, but we're also really united in just a desire, a real desire, both of us, just to really want, we just both really want to, to honor the Lord and and whatever it is that our, our hands touch. And so um, I think he's a great case study for us tonight as we go through this because I, I, I've been with him through uh, some of the highs and some of the lows of, of his vocation. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, years ago, uh, Andy started to share with me this, uh, this idea that was brewing up in his heart. And uh, he started to share with me uh, the idea that he was thinking maybe God is doing this, but I, I'm thinking maybe I, I'm to to start a, a coffee shop slash smoothie shop. Now, before you check out, if you're anything like me and you've hung around Christians for some time, I feel like one in every five Christians at some point has aspirations to start a Christian coffee shop, right? And so um, they, they talk about it and they're like, yeah, we're going to have these, these, these coffee cups with the sleeves, going to have the entire Gospel of John on it, you know, and then the smoothie uh, collection is going to be, you know, fruit smoothies and the fruits of the spirit is how we're going to name them, you know, so you can have like self-control smoothie, grande self-control smoothie, you know, and so you've heard that just, it seems like one in every five uh, Christians kind of have some kind of dream for a Christian coffee shop, but listen, don't write this guy out, uh, write him off, uh, he, he's the kind of guy who when he shares something, he's thought about it, he's prayed about it, and uh, God has given this guy just the, the God-given wherewithal. Uh, to, to do it. He's a Bentley University graduate. Ironic here that the night we're talking about Bentley, all the Bentley kids are at home studying for finals. Uh, but he's a Bentley University graduate, so he's just a strong business guy. Went on to play professional basketball for some time and then came back and had a very successful uh, business career uh, before this venture. And so this guy, when he says he's up to something, just I, I know him, he, he's serious. And uh, so he started to talk about his, his town that that he had grown up in. He started to talk about how his town, you know, didn't really have anything for people to do for fun uh, that was legal and didn't involve alcohol creating the fun. And so uh, he, he, he saw this need 
and he saw this opportunity, and he said, I think maybe God has uh, equipped me to, to do this. And so he asked us to start joining him and just praying and saying, Lord, is, is, this, is this what you have? Would you guide and direct and just give complete assurance? And, and uh, he, he, he started to go forward in the process. And I tell you, through every single decision along the, the way of being entrepreneurial and starting a business, every single decision along the way, this guy was bathing it in prayer and asking other people to, to bathe it in prayer. And then God gave him the go-ahead, and he opened it. Now, he didn't name the, the coffee shop Jesus' Java Joint or anything like that. Uh, he, he, he did, however, uh, move forward in this, this, this ministry, this vocation, this calling uh, in a way that, that honored the Lord and in a way that wasn't trying to be an, an, an undercover Christian because how could he compartmentalize his faith? I mean, Colossians 3.11 uh, says that, that Christ is all and in all. And so Jesus was all over this thing. And I, and I hope through this case study that you'll start to see a little bit how this maybe looks in your own life. I remember the, the grand opening of the coffee shop as God had really done some cool things to bring this together. And... Uh, telling you the people in his town we were there with them it, they, they were just so ecstatic about this place i remember looking at them as just watching them in line and they're pointing at things and saying that's cool and they were just so excited because see this place was immaculate it was it was beautiful and as a christian andy deeply felt like like listen there's there's no room for me as a christian to do anything half-heartedly so i'm going to go full on and give the best that i possibly can in this thing uh, colossians 3 uh, 23, we've been looking at a lot of Colossians here. You should read it. Uh, whatever you do, uh, work heartily as for the Lord and not for, for man. And so he wasn't doing this just to, to impress them, but he was doing this because, listen, I'm going to go after this and I'm going to do it well for the Lord. And so if I'm building something, it's a coffee shop that I'm building, I'm going to build it to the best of my ability, uh, the best that I can. I'm going to get as, as great a deals as I can, and we're going to make this place beautiful. And so in the, the days and the months ahead, as he had, uh, was in the early days of this new coffee shop, I'm telling you this place added tremendous, tremendous value uh, to his community. It was a place that just deeply honored the Lord. And, and, and this guy, and the way he did it, deeply honored the Lord. He would, he would often tell me about prayer meetings that he and his business partner would have in their back office, just praying over decisions and praying before they started their business day, just saying, God, please bless this place. God, please be honored in this. God, please help us to have an influence uh, with our, our employees. And I, he would also tell me about how he would just really invest into the, the lives of his employees, really having a relationship with them outside of the workplace and, and, and how he would often get the chance to share with them First uh, Peter 3.15, the reason for the hope that he, he has. And, and then he would often even, after the, the shop would close, he would open it up beyond uh, business hours and let us do ministry-type things there like uh, group meetings or uh, outreach events because he said, listen, this is the Lord's, this is not mine. How can I honor God with this he also would hire people who who you know needed a second chance maybe somebody else wouldn't hire them but he said you know what god's a god of grace and so i'll i'll hire them did he get burned a couple times absolutely but how many times have we too abused the grace of god so he says well i'm going to hire people uh and run the risk of getting burned but i want to want to be like christ i want to be gracious but know this too that that in this he was no pushover of a boss either he he was very serious he wanted to do everything that he did 
with excellence in a way that honored the Lord. And he wanted to train every employee that he had to do what they do with excellence. And so when he'd have some slacker 15 or 16-year-old come to work for him, he'd teach them how to dress appropriately. He'd talk to them about, you better be here on time. He, he'd teach them about, this was right, right when texting first started becoming so huge. He talked to them about, you cannot text at work. That's not appropriate. It's not professional. When they were ready to move on from his job, to, to something maybe bigger or better. He didn't say, well, get out of here, but he would talk to them about what it looks like to interview for the next level. He really did whatever he did in a way that, that honors the Lord. He, he would then also look at the needs of his community as he had did even in just opening up the shop. He'd look at the needs of the community and say, how can I, how can I serve my community better? He was, a, he was a former sales rep for, for a company, and so he had this, this vision of, of, of just a need for a conference room. He said, as a sales rep in this community, uh, I had, had nowhere to meet with my people other than, you know, McDonald's or, or Friendly's, and, and, and it was just very difficult. And even, even in a coffee shop, it's busy, and it's kind of tough to focus in. So what if I build a conference room within my coffee shop where they can shut the door and they can really focus and have, have a good meeting? And so he built into this conference room just this immaculate room with this this executive boardroom table with uh, it had eight leather chairs around it. He had a screen that came down and a projection screen built into it so that people could do uh, business meetings right in that place. Uh, just about any given time that that place was open in that conference room was either uh, a business meeting going on or a Bible study. It was just really incredible how God uh, used this, this place. And you could walk into this place and there was just this unique spirit in, in the, the room. And what it was is that, you know, God was working. God was blessing. And listen, when you, in your uh, vocation, whatever that may be, when you decide, I'm going to bring God to work, you're going to start to see God at work. And so really take God up on this and, and bring him to work. Incorporate him in, in everything that you do. Seek to do whatever it is that you do in a way that, that exalts the Lord uh, Jesus and, and, and is done in Holy Spirit power. Now, I need to qualify. Just because he did whatever he did in a way that honors Jesus doesn't mean that everything is heavenly. We need to understand that that's very true with our work as as well. Work is hard and challenging and frustrating and oftentimes painful. I remember there was this ice storm uh, a few years back uh, in central Massachusetts. Knocked out the power for some people upwards of two weeks and when you're running a business where you have inventory and, and massive refrigerators, and those are knocked out, he lost all that inventory and therefore took a huge financial hit. And that was very difficult and very painful for him and his, uh, his bottom line. I remember uh, the first time that he had to fire an employee, he said, can we pray about this? And we prayed about what it looks like to let an employee go in a way that honors the Lord. I remember the first time he had to fire an employee, and then that employee fought back and tried to bring some legal action against him. And I remember praying with him through all of that. I, I just remember uh, financial issues that he would, he would struggle with. And, and it was difficult and it was challenging. But, but the difference is, is that he can handle those challenges differently because he has the Lord on his team. And because everything that is, is happening in his vocation is being filtered through a Christian uh, view of, of the world. And, and I even know that that's true for many of you guys. Throughout the course of this week, I've, I've been at a couple of our connection groups and, and heard us talk through 
our, our, our message from last week and really start to flesh out and work out what it means to, to see God at work. And a lot of us talk about how we can, can, can live our vocation out through a, a Christian worldview. And so what I want to do now, uh, knowing that many of you guys are already doing that, is I want to, uh, for, the, for the rest of our time together, really give you uh, so, some language to wrap that around. I want to give you uh, just kind of a, a grid so that you can really talk through and further biblically understand vocation and, and faith. I want to give you a, a theology of work. And so um, he, he, here it is, and let's, let's get into a theology of work here. And we're going to kind of bounce around through scriptures. Uh, but if you want to start heading towards the, the, the first few chapters of Genesis, that's where we'll be for the, the bulk of our time. And you can stay there. We'll put the other screen, the verses up on the screen for you. Uh, but here's what we need to be doing. While you're flipping to Genesis, here's what we need to be doing. We need to be working with the, the gospel narrative in mind. Can I say that again? We need to be working our vocation with the gospel narrative in, in mind. In other words, the gospel should be the lens, the, the, the view through which we, we see everything that we do, including our, our vocation. Now, just to make sure, I don't want to ever assume that anybody and everybody knows what gospel is. Gospel means good news, specifically the good news of, of Jesus. And so we all work uh, inside of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We all work inside of the gospel narrative, inside of God's plan. And there's, there's four words I want to give you uh, to kind of frame the gospel narrative here. And we'll put them on the screen for you. And the four words are creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. Creation, fall, rescue, and, and restoration. The, the first one being creation. Understand that, that God has created all things and he's created mankind as his special creation for us to enjoy him and to enjoy his creation and use it as a way to, to glorify him and to exercise dominion over creation. And so at creation there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no death, and God and, and mankind live in this perfect relationship with each other and with each other. It's a beautiful thing. That is creation. But then the fall happens. And, and the fall detailed in, in Genesis chapter 3 shows that, that Adam and Eve turned from their Lord and, and turned to sin. And we can't just say, well, shame on them because we're all guilty of that. We turn from the Lord and, and turn to sin. And so like a virus, sin just infected humankind and, and, and has really infected the world and uh, has, has broken out. It's wreaking havoc all over the world. It's distorting our world. It's distorting us. And it's no doubt that our world and humanity is, is, is broken. And so now what happens is we are separated from the one who has given us life. And, and, and we are dying because of our separation, because his wrath is upon us. Because if he is perfect and holy more than we can ever imagine, and we've turned from him, and in our sense that I don't need you, then he says, well, okay then. And his wrath is upon us, and, and a price must be paid for our uh, rebellion against him. But God, the cool thing is that God in his perfect compassion and his justice, they, they meet up, and we see the greatest rescue of all time, that he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to become a, a, a man. And he becomes the man, Jesus of Nazareth. And he rescues us by living sinlessly, therefore not deserving death, but then willingly laying down his life and dying for us as our substitution should we trust in what he's done and say, yes, I'll bank my whole life, my whole existence on that. And then we can be restored 
to right relationship with God. But though we are new creatures and we're restored to right relationship with God, we're still stuck in what Paul calls this tent, our physical body. And so we feel the groanings, we feel the pain, we feel the turmoil. We're still here in this world, and you can see the brokenness. It's all around you. And so though we are new creatures, we're waiting for that day when we see that complete restoration of of all things, when we have what, what the Bible calls a new heaven and a new earth, and he brings everything back to the way that he uh, had in, intended it. And all of this comes because of Jesus, because God said, I'm not going to wipe my hands of you, but I'm going to come down, and I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to restore you. And so that's kind of the language that, that we need to really wrap the, the, the view of work um, that we have around that language. And let me just say this before we move forward, that if you never trusted in Jesus alone as your rescuer and your restorer. Tonight is the night for you. Please call out to him and say, yes, Lord. And he won't say, no, you're too bad for me. He'll say, absolutely, you're mine. You trusted me. You turned from sin and you are our rescue. And so that's the gospel narrative. And we are, we're inside of that. We're somewhere in between fall and, and restoration. We're, we're right in the middle of that. We have fallen. We can see the brokenness. We can feel the brokenness. Um, but we can trust that he, he makes us new creatures should we place faith in him and that he's going to restore all things back to the way he intended it. And so that's our grid work. And so let's, let's, let's walk through each of those one by one. Let's first start with creation a little bit. Um, look, look now at, at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 7, 8, and 9, and then we'll skip ahead to, to verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, we have them on the on the seats here, I'd love for you to grab one of those. And if you don't have one of your very own back at home, please take that home. It's our gift uh, to you. But, but let's be reminded of, of Genesis 2, 7, 8, 9, and 15. And again, we're bouncing around a bit tonight, which is not normal for us, but we're building a framework here. Here's what it says. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Skip forward uh, to 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work and to keep it. Genesis 2, 7, 8, 9, and, and 15. And so right here in, in in, in, in verse 15, we have that word work. We have that word uh, work. And, and understand, this is so important to understand that this is a part of God's creation design. Work is a part of God's perfect creation design. It's important to see that God has created work before Genesis chapter 3 and the, the fall of man, before sin comes into the picture and wreaks havoc. God has, has work as a part of his plan. And so work is not this awful task that we just have to do. Work is innately good. It's a part of his, his design. And so uh, in, in God's eyes, work is not this, this awful thing, but it's this, this sac- sacred thing that he has, he has created us for, to work and to have an impact and to exercise dominion over uh, this world. But here's what we as Christians will oftentimes do. Uh, we as, as Christians will think ahead to Genesis chapter 3, and, and we know the story, and we say, well, but work is cursed. 
and, and, and work is hard, and work is challenging because of sin. And so uh, we, we, we kind of see, skipping ahead, that, that work is just kind of this necessary evil, right? And we see work as, as well, I, I have to work so that I can provide, or I have to work uh, so that I can meet other people and be a witness to them, or I, I have to work uh, so that I can, you know, be able to support uh, ministries and missions. And so I yeah, I, I have to work, and I just do it because I, I have to. But remember, work is not evil. It is, it is good. It is a part of God's creation design. Now listen, it is challenging, but it's not evil. It's difficult, but it's not evil. Let's read ahead to the curse, though. Uh, look at the curse, Genesis chapter 3, uh, 17, 18, and 19. Genesis chapter 3, next chapter over. So they've, they've fallen into sin, and they've, they've disobeyed the Lord, and they've, they've had a one-rule society don't eat that, of that tree, and they go ahead and eat of that tree. And here's what happens, Genesis chapter 3. Here's what God says. He says, and to Adam, he, God, uh, said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and, 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 er, er, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your faith, face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Genesis 3. And, and, and notice that, that the process of work is still innately good. Uh, but what is cursed? Look at verse 17. What is it that is cursed? Cursed is the ground, right? The ground is cursed. The, the object of work is, is cursed, but not work itself and so we can live out work we can live out our voc- our vocation our calling knowing that it in and of itself is innately good and we can do so being reminded of, of genesis chapter 1 verse 26 uh, that tells us that we have been made in the image and likeness of god including god as as one who is a, is a worker he, he he's a god who who works and so we can live out our vocation being a, aware that that while we're working, we are, we are being like the Lord. We are being godly in our work. And so whether our work is blue-collar or white-collar or education or, or homeward, uh, if it's honest work, if it's work that, that is not in direct disobedience to the Word of God, if it's honest uh, work that honors Him, we can, we can do so knowing that we're, we're fleshing out and living out our being created in the image of God which I hope for you frees you up a little bit. I hope for you gives you some purpose when you go to work. I hope for you it, it, it draws you closer to the Lord that when you're working, I'm, I'm doing what God has created me to do as a part of his image, and therefore he is a, he, he, he's a, a, a working God. And so as God is creative in his creation, go to the Arboretum and look at some of the flowers just a couple of blocks away, and you can see God is creative. You can go and see a sunset over the, 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 the top of the arboretum looking backwards and you can see God is creative. You can see that, that God is, is skilled and, and, and has uh, just big picture. And we can live like that in our, our vocation. We can see as we look at what God has made and what he has done and the intricacies of a, of a microscope or we can look at the, the galaxies, we can see that God is God of order. It's, it's beautiful and so we can be ordered and we can be disciplined and and we can be intentional in how we work but on and on and on and on we can go we can say i work as an image bearer of of god and so i can draw near to him as i work and i can relate with him as i work and i can 
be godly in how I work. Uh, to go back to our case study of my man Andy here. Remember when Andy was uh, creating this, this coffee shop, he just found such delight and fulfillment in looking at blueprints and dreaming and being creative. Of it could look like this and it can look like that. Where does that come from? It comes from he's created in the image of God who is a creative God who's made this world and he's made it uh, in, in his perfect, uh, perfect order. And so we're designed to, to work. And so you often find that, especially for men, that when we're not working, there's this, there's this just sense of lack of fulfillment, a lack of, hey, something's missing because we're, we're created uh, to, to work, right? We're, we're created to be like our Lord who is a working uh, God. That's why um, one of the, I think, the most effective cures for depression is to say, go serve, go do something, right? Because there's fulfillment in that. We're not saying that it takes the place of God, but when you do something and, and, and start to live out what God's called you to do and to, to work, there's fulfillment there. Genesis chapter 1, verse, verse 28, God says, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and, and subdue and have dominion over uh, my creation. That's just who we are, right? Exercising the dominion and working and being fruitful and, and, and multiplying and building culture, that's, that's a big part of of who God has designed us to be. And so in the gospel narrative, understand that work is good. It's pre-fall. It's at creation. It's a good thing. Hopefully that sheds some light and gives you some framework for working. Now, the next piece of the gospel narrative is, is fall. Right? And this is where we'll often, often get tripped up. Some of us will hear work is good and make the mistake of thinking, okay, because work is good, that must mean work is easy. And we get... Confused, And many Christians will say, well, I thought that whatever I was to do is supposed to be done in a way that, that glorifies Jesus. Or I thought that, that working uh, is part of God's creation design. Or I, you know, I thought that uh, working is, is me in the image of God. And so, so doesn't that mean it's supposed to be marvelous all the time? No. Those things are, are, are true. But what we can often do is focus on the good and on just the creation piece of the gospel narrative. And, and then what will happen is when we focus just on that, we become surprised and frustrated when work gets really tough, right? And you remember that because of the fall, this, this, this earth is broken and our work is, is, is very challenged, um, filled. And, and, and so don't, don't forget the curse of Genesis chapter 3, uh, 19, uh, 17 through 19. It's hard, it's challenging, it's, it's frustrating. A lot of times it feels like the ground is working against you, whether it be the ground and your blue collar, whether it be the ground be your desktop and some of the numbers that you're crunching, you feel like it's, it's working uh, against you. And so for a student, studying is not always enjoyable, right? Wish it was, but it's not always enjoyable. For uh, business people, numbers don't always go your way. Um, for blue collar workers, you're sweating and you're messing up your back and, and you're getting hurt. And for homemakers, the kids don't always obey right or ever obey <laughs> but it's honorable work it, it's it's hard but we have to do it and uh, man don't bow out just because it's hard don't bow out because it's hard you know first timothy chapter 5 verse 8 uh, makes a really bold declaration can i remind you of this uh, it says that if someone doesn't provide uh, for his relatives and especially for members of his household he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. First Timothy 5, 
8. So laziness is shameful. And so we could, on the flip side, say, man, this is hard. I'm just going to, man, I'm just going to give up. According to this, laziness is shameful and you're worse than an unbeliever. And so work hard. The Proverbs speak to slothfulness. Work hard. and Don't be surprised when challenges come. Don't be surprised when heartaches come. Don't be surprised when, when you blow out your back and you say, God, I thought I was doing this for your glory. And he says, no, no, it's difficult. And you're part of a fallen world. Back to tonight's uh, case study. I remember um, several difficult seasons for uh, Andy and his business venture. Um, I remember one season where he just had this really, uh, some tough issues that came up with some of his investors. And we prayed through that. And it was painful for him and challenging uh, for him. I remember um, some, some very, very challenging employees that we had to pray for. Some of you, it's challenging coworkers or boss or employees, and it's, it's a part of it. I remember real financial burdens and issues that, that arose uh, for him. But listen, does that mean that, that God's not there? He's not working? Of course not. It means that, that we're part of a fallen world, and so that is a big piece of, of our framework. Uh, for work. Don't be surprised when they come. Instead, be ready. Don't be surprised when it gets hard, but be ready. So what do we do? How can, how can we be ready? So we think through what does it mean to, to work and to bring God to work and have God at work and see him move in your vocation. How can we be, we can be ready? Well, more than anything, here's what we need. Is we need to learn, learn to, to go to work every day completely and utterly dependent upon God. Not to say, I'm going at it and I'm going to kill this thing today. But go at it and say, I'm dependent on God to to show up. And God has given us all kinds of resources so that we might remain faithful and so that we might see his power at at work. Last week we saw Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and and I'll I'll remind you again, Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, so Jerusalem is your your Jerusalem. We're not just talking just Boston. For them, that was their city. We're talking about what is your Jerusalem, the place you're at tomorrow. You do your day in and your, your day out. He says you will receive power in your Jerusalem and in Judea, next region over in Samaria, and to the, the, the remotest parts of the world. And so often we can say, well, I'll, I'll have power there. But no, we'll have power tomorrow, wherever it is that you're going to be for work, for vocation. You've got power. You've got power there and so whether you're called to the remotest part of the earth or you're called to the financial district you've got power there it's available to you and so what we need to learn to do is is we need to learn to walk in the spirit galatians chapter 5 16 you need to read that chapter you need to understand what it means to 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 walk in the holy spirit power in whatever you do not just walk in the holy spirit power when you're on a missions trip in africa but walk in the holy spirit power when you're walking down the hall at your college or when you're uh, at your home and your kids are going wild or when you're at your workplace and your boss is just being a complete jerk to you that you can walk in the holy spirit power you have holy spirit power in all of these and so every day we need to have complete and utter dependence on him and so if we can leave work every single day and not take time to whisper a prayer to the Lord, I just wonder how we're really walking in Holy Spirit power. We should really be starting every single day, coming before the Lord and say, God, today, please, I need you. I can't do this 
not just because I'm going to tell my coworker about Jesus. I, I can't just do what I do, whatever it may be, without you. That I can't even breathe. Every breath is a breath of your, your grace, God. And I want to I see you uh, at work. I want to see you live through me. And so wake up early and, and in prayer declare, God, I need you for, for effectiveness. I need you for influence. And I, God, I just need you for stamina tomorrow. And so be uh, that kind of person. Dig into the scriptures and see how he just is resourcing you to be effective and to, to move uh, with his power. I was deeply impacted by the, just the, the testimony, the witness of my, my friend Andy um, in, in trial um, throughout his, his, his workplace. Uh, he and his wife would hold what they call knee nights. Uh, and so they knew that they were having a, a challenging season in, in, in work slash ministry. They'd say, we need some knee nights. And so they'd say, tonight is a knee night. What they mean is tonight we're getting on our knees together and we're just going to pray like crazy. A knee night. I, I was so impressed in the midst of the trial, rather than say, God, I, I thought I was honoring you with my shop. What's going on? He and his business partner get together and just start to, to pray. I remember he would come to me over several occasions with, with tears in his eyes. and just, Let's pray. I need prayer. This is hard. Or do you have any counsel? What's the, what's the scripture have to say to what I'm, I'm going through? See, God resources you for your work, and not just for the remotest parts of the world on that missions trip. Last piece of our framework is redemption and restoration. Redemption and, and restoration. So we're in the midst of, of a broken world, but God in his great, great compassion has, has bought us Christians with a price, with his son Jesus, and he has redeemed us, right? He's, he's, he's paid the price for our, our freedom. First Corinthians chapter 6 uh, verse 20 will say that you are bought with the price. Therefore, honor God, glorify God with, with your body. And so whatever it is that you do, do it as, as one who is redeemed, right? And do it in, in such a way that, that brings him glory. And, and, and do so and press on forward knowing that, that though you've been restored and, and made new and have right relationship with God in spirit, but physically you're, you're waiting and you're groaning for the day that you see him face to face, press on, clinging to the fact that restoration, total restoration, is, it's coming. That he says, I will make all things new, and you can cling to that day. Uh, Revelation 21, uh, verse 5, has, has him seated on his throne. And, and he says this, he, he declares, behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down, he says to John. Write it down, because these things are trustworthy and true. In other words, John Make sure that they know, I'm going to make all things new. Make sure that they know, it's painful, but it's going to be restored. Make sure that they know, you're hurting, but I have restoration. It's coming. Make sure that they know. Write this down. Give it to them. Because I'm making all things new. And so cling to that. Cling to that. He's restoring it. Cling to it. It's coming. And be faithful until then. But one more thing. Not only just cling to the the restoration that's coming. But this is huge. Listen. Be an agent of restoration today. We have to see ourselves as agents of restoration. If we're, we're living out this gospel narrative and we're inside of it, God has called you to be an agent of, of restoration today. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, you've heard it, you're very familiar with it, when his disciples ask him uh, to teach them to pray. 
And he says, here's how I want you uh, to pray. He says, I want you to pray like this. In verses 9 and 10 in Matthew 6, he says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so let's be, as agents of God's restoration, let's be pleading with him, God, please, God, please, please do your work here. May we see restoration here. May we not just hope that it's coming, but may we see it here inside people's lives, inside of culture, inside of my workplace, inside of my city, inside of my neighborhood. Be an agent of of restoration and begin to plead with him and be proactive with his power that he he has implanted in your heart. The power that unifies us together as his his greatest force on this, this earth. That we can move forward and see his kingdom come on earth as, as it is in heaven. Uh, to bring as much redemption and as, as much restoration as his grace would allow us in our lifetime. That we could we can be agents of that on this this earth. For Andy, he said, Man, I want that in my community. How can I? serve my community how can i restore my community they deeply need a place where kids can hang out and not get in trouble we need a place where some people can get second chances as employees and and for us look at rosendale and we see the 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 brokenness of this neighborhood the brokenness of west boston the brokenness of boston how can we be an agent of, of restoration in our lifetime and see as much of god's restoration as he and his grace would possibly uh, allow and, and, and that i might I might be a Christian, right? A Christian, a Christian, a Christian. That I can be an agent for Christ in whatever I do. See, when Jesus walked this earth, isn't it so neat to see that during uh, the, the, the first half of his ministry, he's walking around, it seemed like everything that he touched was healed. Everything that he touched was, was healed. It was incredible. And so for us as Christians, we should, we should seek to live the lives uh, of Jesus, where when we touch something, we bring about some kind of healing that, that God would, through His power, allow us to, to see healing in whatever it is that He calls us uh, to touch. And I, I say that not to replace Him with us. I say that not to say that, that you can go and just start healing people of their illness, but whatever it is that God has given you, whatever circle of influence it is that God has given you, He wants to use you as an agent of restoration and of healing to that. It's a part of his narrative, and it's the grid work, the framework through which we see our, our world. And so uh, it's him, it's not us, and he's doing his work. Uh, we are, are bearers of the Holy Spirit, and so we are to be agents of justice and ages, agents of, of, of goodness and of peace and of love wherever it is that we go, wherever it is that, that we go, so that we can do whatever we do in word or deed, that we can do it all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, that we can not just be culture condemners, but we can be culture shapers as people who are in the midst of the culture. It drives me crazy. I don't even know who said it, but it's so huge in the Republican Party right now, and so many Christians are Republicans. This, this idea that, that we are culture warriors is ridiculous. As Christians, we are not against the culture. We are culture shapers. We are agents of God's restoration in the culture that he has placed us in. And so, man, I'm just excited to see uh, what God will do with us. If we will say, yes, I want to be an agent of his restoration. I want to be used of him 
to bring life and hope and peace and, and, and see his, his will be done and his kingdom come on earth just as it is in, in heaven. That I don't have to wait till Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth. But we can begin to, 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 to serve up pieces of that today. Not that we're God. He is God, but he wants to, to, to use us and he wants to work through us. And so I'm praying hard uh, that that would happen for us. That the gospel would really shape everything that it is that we do. That the gospel narrative would be for us what we filter work and everything, everything through. That we'd see as creation that, that God created work as good and so we can work as image bearers of God and we can work in community and relationship with God that we can see the fall and we can see the struggles that we face at work and not be surprised by it, but understand it. Not be just completely confused by it, but we can say, that makes sense. And that we can then move into restoration and see him use us. Um, and so keep all of those in balance. Because if you take one without the others, you're kind of out of whack there. And things are, are spinning into confusion. We're not seeking utopia on this earth because that's not going to happen we know the end of the story but we do want to be agents of restoration we do want to bring god's kingdom here on earth through us and 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 what we touch see healing and restoration god's power um, through our lives and so that's that's my prayer and so let me pray to that end father thank you for the night lord thank you for these truths God, I, I just pray for every single person in this room that, Lord, you would bring clarity to what they do through your word, through your story, through your plan. We have a lot of plans, but God, forgive us for when our plans are, are just our plans and they're not your plans. And so help us, Lord, to, to really run our, our life story uh, through your story. Because when we do that, Everything makes sense. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would just be bringing clarity into the pain that's in this room. Lord, I pray that you would be bringing clarity into the confusion that's in this room. I pray that you would be bringing gospel clarity into the lack of purpose that is in this room. Father, please just unleash your Holy Spirit power to guide us in the truth, to bring conviction where we're living outside of your story. Do your work in us, Father. And finally, Lord, I pray for any person in this room who doesn't know Jesus, that they have not been redeemed. They have not trusted fully in Jesus as the only way to be restored. Lord, stir their heart. May they call out to you and turn from the sin of self-sufficiency and living life apart from you and turn to you, that they might see your great compassion that you so loved the world that you gave your son as the only means for both your justice and your wrath to be satisfied and your compassion on us to be executed. May they see that. May they get it. I know only you and your Holy Spirit can make that click in their hearts. So please, Lord, I plead with you, do that. In this room, do that in this community, do that in Boston. And Lord, may we see another awakening in New England. Do your work use us. And I I really, Lord, I believe that it's going to happen in our workplaces. The place that we spend the most amount of time, Lord. The people that you put in our lives. Help us in these things that we might see life change. So change lives in this room tonight. 
and change this region, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.